What's up, Wanna Coffee fam? It's Kai, and we are back, kicking off season two, and things have slightly changed for us. We will have weekly contributions from strangers all over the world discussing various topics chosen by yours truly. And this is the first time these contributors have spoken to one another, so you are in for a real treat. Without further ado, here's Ethan and Rich with Have You Ever Participated in a Protest? Great. And I'll set a timer, trying to follow all the rules here. Same. All right. The timer is going. So I, I guess the question, the question today we have to answer is, um, have we ever been to a protest and what was the first protest we've ever been at? So do you want to, do you want to start? I can start. Unfortunately, be a relatively short, simple answer is that unfortunately I have yet to participate in any live protests in person. Um, I assume the question, you know, is uh, framed for the marches outside and the um, gatherings of in-person people, right? Uh, any protests online or in secret or internalized Zoom does not <laughs> fall within the bounds of that question. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I have yet to actually participate physically. Yeah, how about yourself? Well, uh, oddly, my answer is very similar. I have not uh, participated in a, in a physical uh, protest before, at least not that I can remember. There's probably a chance that I did something in college, but that was... Uh, that was 25 years ago. So I, I, if I did, it, it was not as impactful a memory as I as it probably could have been. Um, I, I did. I very it came very close to attending um, rallies this summer uh, on behalf of the Black Lives Matter movement. Right. Um, but uh, in, in, in the weird confluence of events that was 2020, I have underlying medical conditions that make me more susceptible to to problems with COVID-19, and so that. Uh, mindful of that, uh, I chose not to participate in person. Um, and that was, I'll confess that was a really difficult decision to make, right? The, 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 the protests this summer for racial justice were really important, right? And um, speaking frankly, as, as, a, as a white dude who is not as impacted by the uh, the, all of the injustice that we see directly, I, I, in a lot of ways, I felt like it was more important for me to participate, right? To say, yeah. I, I stand in solidarity and this is important. And so it was, it was a weird moment to, to, to really deeply want to do that. And at the same time to have to say in a weird place of privilege, I, I can't for the sake of my health. Right. And, and there's so many layers to that, right? No, absolutely. Um, I'm going to revisit back because it's it's interesting you bring up like thinking back to undergrad because I tried to do the same because, you know, obviously very recently, I know that I haven't participated in any in person. Then I had to think back to like, did I do any in college? Like, and for me, that's 15 years ago still. Um, but as you say, if I had done and they were particularly meaningful, I think they would have stayed in my memory. So it's quite unlikely I did undergrad either. But I think an even more important and interesting point that you bring up is that, especially this last summer with the seriousness of Black Lives Matter and the protests and the rallies and everything that's going on with the uh, 
revealing of American social culture and, and, right. and the issues of this country that have persisted for decades, centuries. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely, it was all very important, but it also happened during basically the height of a pandemic, um, a worldwide global pandemic. And it's difficult, you know, you got to weigh safety and personal caution and health against something that's really important. And, you know, ethnicities aside, you say you're white, I'm, I'm Asian American. And uh, I, it's, how do you make that decision, right? I, I myself have some also uh, related uh, health issues. Um, I'm relatively young, but I've my whole family has had asthma. So sure, yeah, you know. So, and you read about the uh, the causes of the worst cases, right? Are usually respiratory related, and you think about that. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, uh, for me personally, I also have to make sure that I don't cop it all to making that very difficult decision of health. That. At the same time, ultimately, I made the decision not to go. And that also, part of me is a little jaded with, I guess, just the point of participation. Because in these rallies, you, you, you justify to yourself and you say, or at least to myself, I say, you know, the people who are joining these, we already all agree on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it actually going to change the minds of the portion of this country that refuse to listen? Yeah, that's a really great point, right? There's a performative aspect to protests sometimes that, uh, or participation in some protests by some people, I'll say that, uh, that is about being seen as in support as opposed to actually supporting, right? Yeah. Um, so I, it, when I was in grad school and in college undergrad, um, uh, a, a large chunk of my time was spent studying um, gender theory and queer theory, right? Like that was where my, um, my activism sort of manifested itself, right? And one of the things that I remember really strongly from that time and, and from sort of feminist theory of the 60s, right, is this idea that the, the personal is political and the political is personal, right? And, and, and when you and so in some ways, choosing to not protest because of very personal reasons is part of the politics of it, right? Absolutely. Um, and and I find that all really interesting, but also the notion that maybe there are things we do or can do or should do that are more impactful than attending a protest, right? Um, and and for some people, that's important, and the protests are important for visibility, right? For Amazing. raising consciousness. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. There's a, there's a part of me that certainly looked to that and went, there's already thousands of people making that point. Is there a better way that I can use my energy to make change? Yeah. I, and of course, at the same time, like you bring up that absolute fair side of the coin is that because all those people attended those rallies, it, people had to talk about it all the right. Media outlets were forced to discuss it one way or another, and you certainly have all the media outlets that decide to label it a certain way, and you sure can't avoid that. But the fact is, it's in their zeitgeist, it's in their forefront, it's in their face, they can't avoid it. So, certainly, I'm not one to be like, Oh, the protests are pointless, they're not, they're right. absolutely not. Um, 
and they but you know it's like you say politics is personal and i uh i get to the point it's like man i wish we could get practical um but that's all tied like you you yeah you know, especially with American politics, a lot of things don't get pushed through law and Congress because there just isn't enough fervor and um, loudness to it. I, 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 you know, we're talking about politics in general and why uh, Black Lives Matter is even an issue, you know, why it has persisted. A lot of times law in this country, it's the loudest, not the most right, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think we can't ignore the fact that in this country, uh, your voice gets louder with the amount of money you have as well. Yes, absolutely. Right? Directly proportional. Right. And so I have a really good friend who is, um, gosh, we've been Fred for almost, you know, almost 30 years. And we are definitely on opposite sides of the political spectrum, right? He's more conservative. And he and I go round and round often discussing issues of racial politics. Uh, and he comes from uh, a rural area without a lot of money in, in Pennsylvania, right? So he's sort of a, uh, um, I, I think I wouldn't be saying anything ill about him to say he's from sort of a, a poor white demographic. Mm -hmm. uh, and he often talks about the fact that um, the issues that people raise in, and, and sort of account race to the, the the cause, he will say often, well, it's about money. It's about class. It's about, um, you know, poor white folks have the same problems. And it's really interesting to me because in some ways he's wrong, obviously. Um, in some ways he's also really right, right? There's this really interesting conflation and convergence of powerlessness that happens with uh, lack of money to have your voice heard. And yeah. also, um, you know, you're, you're, ethnic or racial background right it's really politics in this country are just weird right? it's, it's, it's crazy you know where i mean i honestly could talk about this forever but um it's just you say interesting you say that because i'm sure your friend experiences for the most part the same symptoms as any other uh underfunded uh under uh not underrepresented that's not the right one it's underfunded for sure Sure. Uh, community in this country. Mm -hmm. it, the difference is as the causes of that, right? Right. Um, exactly. exactly. Different communities, especially the especially the African American community and the probably the the Latin American and community uh, American community, their the causes of their social socioeconomic symptoms certainly are different, even though the symptoms are the same. And therefore, I can understand why someone your friend from that sort of community experiences the symptoms up front. That's the first thing to think of. And they say, I, I'm, I'm going through the same things. And that's quite possibly true on the, you know, the just being able to live on a daily life without having to worry about health, sure. about food, rent, et cetera. Um, and, you know, how do you make it, that conversation expand so that it's not about uh, how our problems are always the same, but it's like, you know, what solutions can we do, can we arrive at to actually achieve these, these goals that we've set out to help everyone, your friend, people of ethnic communities, etc. Right. I mean, part of it is about uh, the pathways out of the place of disempowerment, right? As my friend is white, right? He's a, he's a, a cis straight male person, right? So 
he has more access to pathways out of powerlessness than folks who don't identify the same way. And that's the part that's, that's important to sort of focus on, right? It's harder, that's tied to that myth, this, this great American myth, uh, the, the pull yourself up by the, your bootstraps, right? If you just work hard enough, um, and if you, if you aren't succeeding, it's because you're not working hard enough. That's how we continue to oppress the poor, right? Absolutely. In this country. Um, and, and that gets doubly problematic for, uh, for people of color, right? Because yeah. now you're, you're trying to also surpass all of these racist structures um, and overcome them. And, and you're twice sort of, if, you, if, you come, if you're a person of color and a person who comes from a poor background, you're sort of slammed twice with, well, you're just not good enough and yep. you don't work hard enough, right? It's really, uh, it, there's so many layers to unpack. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, that um, it's that benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah. That, right, I think you mentioned where it's like a certain, that certain community, the, the white community has, I, and I think it's very true in, in America, right? I think it's possibly an evolution of that age old manifest destiny of America, of yeah, like sure. what it means to be American, meaning the freedom to work toward your goals, Yeah, right? And I believe in my, this is just my perspective, of course, but the white community has that belief very entrenched. But that same belief does not get translated to any other community in this country. Right. Um, even with a stereotype of Asian Americans, right? The, the polar stereotype of Asian Americans about that we are, quote, the good immigrants, unquote. Yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, even with us, we still will still get the brunt of certain things, the Chinese flu, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but those other communities don't get that benefit of the doubt. It's not manifest destiny for them. It's that they're lazy. It, they failed because it is inherent within their culture, which is American. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so frustratingly intertwined with all of these weird portrayals of otherness, right? Uh, yeah. I'm curious, and, and certainly you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, but I'm, I'm because you sort of raised the, 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 the topic, have you experienced backlash in the pandemic because of your ethnicity, right? The, this idea of the Chinese flu? Now, not di directly personally to me, but I have direct, directly witnessed it at really? other Americans, absolutely. I, cause I, so I normally live in New York. Um, you know, I take the subway when I need to, et cetera. And, and you go about, and we all have our boroughs and, and our small neighborhoods, you know, Chinatown, Harlem, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, yeah. And even with the other communities in New York, at, right at the height of it, when it was, there was probably less information and in our, the, the, the highest power of administration in this country was peddling that it was the Chinese flu. And of course, no one, well, not no one, but half of our political power refused to denounce that term. You see videos and accounts and in person, me, I've witnessed Asian Americans being accosted physically, verb verbally, emotionally, mentally, mm -hmm. um, literally just waiting on the subway. Uh, an old Asian couple would be accosted and I wow. saw it by some, and he was a black man. And not, and you know, I point that out not to blame the African American community or the black sure. community. The point is that it's like once you point fingers in this country, it doesn't matter who you are. Right. 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 Um, you are susceptible to it. So it doesn't matter if you are the model immigrant 
yeah. or not, right? Once in this country, we are so quick and so easy to blame based on race as the absolute easiest low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah, like that's, I, I, it, there's so many things to say to that. Well, first is that I, I, I can't imagine what that's like to, to observe or, 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 or be a recipient of. Like, truly, I can't imagine I'm, because of my background, right? Like, right, right. Uh, and and I, I mean, alternately, I wonder if I would be enraged in the moment or also incredibly depressed and overwhelmed by the feeling of it. So I, um, I, I mean, there's nothing that I can say other than I, I'm sorry you had to witness that, but... Yeah, I mean that I would felt so bad for that that old couple. And they just kept walking back and forth trying to avoid this person and he just kept coming at them. And you know, there were a couple myself included we came between them, right? It's because it, it, how do you how do you handle that situation because if you get physical it gets physical. That's just how it is. Right? Um and although it wasn't directed at me and I'm curious as to why it wasn't because you know, maybe he was so, this person was so entrenched in their anger and their attack that they couldn't see anything else. They didn't even notice another Asian American come by. Sure. And again, it wasn't directed literally at me, but I'm there and I hear it and it makes you feel, you know, different. It yeah. absolutely makes you feel different because even, you know, you realize that that man, that person wasn't yelling at them. He was just yelling at the idea which I am a part of simply because I am who I am. And, you know, it riles you up. It gets you angry. It, it absolutely gets you angry. I got very angry. Yeah. Parts of me, I honestly just, you know, I'd like to consider myself a, a uh, level headed human being. So I, you know, I am able to logically recognize that if I were to physically accost this person, it, it doesn't help anyone, but I wanted to. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely wanted to. And abs I absolutely wanted to. What's interesting, right? And um, I mean, so much. I'm, I'm, I'm reminded. Uh, I, so I lived right outside of New York City in 2001, mm -hmm. and I'm reminded by some of the stories of colleagues of mine who lived in the city. You know, in the days following September 11th, right? And and the stories that I'm that I was always struck by were the stories of people reaching out to support each other. In that moment, right? Like, Absolutely. Um, uh, I had one colleague who was in um, Queens, I think, and he was talking about seeing, like, looking out his apartment window, and uh, a, a pickup truck driven by a couple of Hispanic dudes who uh, were driving downtown and hauling suited businessmen, white suited businessmen from uh, Wall Street uptown, right, mm -hmm. to get them to a place of safety. Things that you, you wouldn't necessarily imagine in sort of your stereotypical view of racial yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, practices or, or, or relationships, right? But people reaching across community lines in that moment of need, as opposed to, right, there was a moment where there was such fear, but that fear was, was a communal fear, right? Everybody in the city was afraid and somehow together in that moment. And yet in this, in this time, there's fear and it, it, it's easy. There's like a need to identify somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So it's, and, and I, I, I mean, I try to remember that, right? Like so much of anger comes from fear. Absolutely. No, absolutely. That is the absolute basis. And I think, you know, the difference is like all those other times, 
the, the you can, are able to fall back on that community message, right? The right. sentiment of what the community wants. Right. And that starts both at the bottom and at the top meeting in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. So when you have an administration that absolutely has, does not have that in mind, that is not their intention, right? you know, you get a Pandora's box of emotions yeah. is what yeah. I feel like. And, you know, it's, yeah, absolutely during this time. And I, th the difference is obviously during those times, you can physically reach out to help, right? Yeah. right? They're, they're reaching across these community lines, as you say. Mm-hmm. The physical barrier this time makes it just so difficult to actually do that, right? Absolutely. And then you and everybody has to then there we're forced to move all of that outreach online, which is very limited because right. online also exists the other end of that, which is the vitriolic uh, right. separation. Right. Well, in a weird way, maybe I mean part of what happened obviously in two thousand and one was that the identity of community in and around the city was we are the city, right? New York was attacked. Yeah. Interestingly, right? I moved out here to the Midwest only a few years after that. And there was a very different sense of what happened on September 11th. It was an attack on uh, America. Right. And in communities here where the identification of America is far more white, it was definitely sort of this seen as this anti-Islamic response, right? That was... But that's not what I felt in in the city yeah. in the time. It was uh, crazy people doing crazy things, regardless yeah, of, of where they came from. Really interesting that how communities identify. Um, it, well, I think with that, it's it's like you say. I think that's an example of how without that physical outreach, mm -hmm. there's a lot of miscommunication happening, right? So people yeah. in those Midwest and even probably West Coast communities. Um, just as culpable during that time with the anti-Islamic uh, yeah. sentiments is everything that gets fed through the media. And right. that's not just, that's not just accredited news outlets. That's social media. That's word mm -hmm. of mouth online, which is uh, viral in speed, right? There's no, right. there's just no time to fact check anything anymore. So I wonder if that means that th this is a time to think anew about what it means to, to, to protest or how to structure a protest, right? Because right yeah. now, you know, I'm thinking about the revolutionary work of Gandhi and Martin Luther King and the and and folks in the '60s with the sit-ins and peaceful revolution and 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 that sort of thing. It's so easy for anything you do as a as a gathering to be portrayed, however the media wants it to be portrayed, is is demonstrating anger or frustration the best way to move forward right or is there i don't know what the model is but is there some other mode or framework where it's about reaching out to forge connections across communities as opposed to demonstrating where i feel my community is hurt and and I, I I'm thinking all of this in draft, right? Like I'm just sort of thinking yeah. about for the first time. And I recognize that there's a ton of privilege that embeds my ability to say that, right? Like yeah. it's really easy for me to say, well, we should all just reach out and love each other, which is not yeah. really what but I'm saying, but. Same with me. I mean, I'm not white. I'm, you know, but I still have levels of privilege that I must acknowledge, right? Sure. Yeah. My family are immigrants, but we managed to do really well for ourselves at this point in our lives, right? So that me growing up, um, I had a stable uh, 
household and we are fine financially now, right? All, myself and my siblings. So, and Asian Americans, we still, you know, and historically as well have faced certain levels of stereotype and discrimination. It's not just the model immigrant because that that's just what the media or, or certain political entities in our country use, right? There is, there, that stereotype doesn't necessarily exist in my opinion. It's more like a, a, a tool to use against other ethnicities, right? Because mm -hmm. we still face and have faced discrimination at, at various levels. But that being said, because of that, you know, the privilege that we have accrued in this country, the currency, so to speak, uh, the uh, benefit of the doubt currency mm -hmm. is different from other ethnicities. You have to accept that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because even within my Asian American community, especially during this time, you I, I, you discover by proxy people within my own community, um, within my own specific uh, ethnicity, meaning Vietnamese Americans, um, who you know speak and vote against their own interests because of their fears. And it's frustrating for me. It's frustrating for me to, to hear about these people who are immigrants, who are like legitimate immigrants, right? People are still alive, coming from third world countries, come here and then are against things like immigration or um, the benefit of the black community, which has directly benefited us, right? If it weren't for the civil rights movement led by black Americans, my life would be completely different. Sure. Asian American life would be completely different. And I feel like half of my Asian American community has completely forgotten that or refused to acknowledge it. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Oh. I can only imagine. So Ethan, we're well past the 18 minutes we were supposed yeah, to yeah. talk. We're well past, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> which has been great. It's been a, a pleasure to meet you and talk to you, right? Absolutely, Rich. You're an, uh, an interesting person, and, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful for this chance to, to chat with you about really hard stuff. Yeah, I think honest discussion is so important now, and you have to be able to just talk about things freely, um, letting out you know our thoughts and, and opinions and dissecting each other, you yeah. know, and really thinking about it. Yeah. Um, of course, at the end of the day, it's just talking, so. <laughs> well, I mean, talking is the thing that gets us connected. I mean, you said yeah. it already, right? And, and yeah. Maybe I mean, that's important. And I appreciate the willingness to offer uh, space and grace for me to think things through and maybe say things that were, that needed more development, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Yeah. We're not, we're not doctors or scientists here. We're just everyday Americans trying to work through things, right? So Right. We're just people talking. Yeah. All absolutely. right, man. Well, I'm going to go ahead and stop this recording and send it off to, to our friends at Bear Productions and... Uh, Perhaps we'll get cycled back again and get to talk again. Yeah, absolutely. It was an absolute pleasure. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. It was so interesting to hear from both Ethan and Rich on their views about protests and their impacts on our society at large. Thanks so much, guys. That's it for us, folks. Catch us next week for a brand new episode with brand new contributors. If you like what you heard, please like, share, and subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WannaCoffeePod. That's WannaCoffeePod. I'm your host, Kai, and let's Wanna Coffee next week. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>